Hi, I'm Jacqueline Brown, and you're listening to Mental Health and Me. I have anxiety and depression, and I've been suffering from these two illnesses for years. Through this podcast, I am sharing my journey along with practical self-care and wellness tips to help other mental health sufferers and their loved ones cope. I hope you'll join me. Welcome to the Mental Health and Me podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about my health scare. Uh, In the last episode, if you didn't hear it, go listen to it because I talked a a wonderfully long time (laughs) about the eight week challenge and how I, uh, I challenged myself to, to, you know, follow healthy habits and make good choices and lose some weight in the process. And I lost over 30 pounds and, um, and I said, okay, so I started that challenge February 18th and I finished it eight weeks later. So, uh, it was the beginning, beginning of April. So now I'm going to talk about what happened when that pretty much the day after that finished, because <laughs> it was immediate. So I finished my eight week challenge, went out for, for dinner with the family. And, um, and then the next day I, I took a, a break. Now I didn't, I didn't, uh, I still followed my healthy habits. I still ate, drank my three liters of water and I made healthy choices and I drank my smoothies and all that was good. Um, but I didn't do my exercise. And, um, and then, then that night, the, the Monday night, the Tuesday morning at about, um, at about, I don't know, just after midnight, uh, I woke up with a, uh, what felt like a heart attack and I've had this before. So I know that it's, um, it's bad, but the first time I had it was, um, a little less than a year ago. I had this heart scare and I didn't know what was going on and I had chest pains and I couldn't breathe. And, um, but I could feel it like right, right around my heart. And, um, and I also have, asthma and I've had this my whole life. So I naturally think, okay, well maybe it's my lungs and I take my inhalers and that doesn't work. And the pain is getting progressively worse and I can't get comfortable. Um, I try lying down. That doesn't work. I try lying, like I'm talking on the floor so that I could, you know, flat back, no pillows, no cushions. Um, and that was worse. And then I tried sitting up and that was worse. And that, you know, like every single position I tried, it was worse. And so I finally called the ambulance and, um, and, and, you know, was taken to the hospital. And last year when that happened, I spent, I think, 36 hours in the hospital and they fixed, uh, they took away the pain. I, I'm not gonna say they fixed, but they took away the pain and I was fine. What felt like fine, um, after maybe 10 hours, but I spent the next, you know, 26 hours in the hospital being monitored because they wanted to find out what happened. And then after that, the, uh, the 36 hours in the hospital, I was released, was told to relax a bit, not too much because I was, I felt fine, but, um, but it was just take it easy. Uh, and then a week after that, I was given a heart monitor that I had to wear for 48 hours. And then I saw a heart specialist, a cardiologist, and, um, and they took the results from the heart monitor and said, basically, they found nothing. They found no reason why this happened. Um, they're going to write it off as an, an anomaly. And should this happen again, follow the same procedure, call the ambulance, go to the hospital, get checked out. But they kind of made it sound like it was like a one-time occurrence, given my age. It wasn't a heart attack. It felt like a heart attack, but it wasn't a heart attack. And um, and they they treat it like a heart attack when you're in the hospital, but when you leave the hospital, they're like, no, it actually wasn't a uh, wasn't a heart attack. So then, um, you know, 
beginning of April, when the day after I finished my eight week challenge, this is just a coincidence, but it feels like a really big coincidence. The day after I finish, I complete my eight week challenge and stop exercising. I end up waking up in the middle of the night uh, with these chest pains. And because I have asthma, once again, I think, okay, maybe it's my asthma. Weird, because I was sleeping and it's not like I was doing any sort of extenuous uh, training or, you know. Um, so what happened? So I take my inhalers. Naturally, they don't work. It's not a lung issue. Um, and then I think, well, maybe it's heartburn. I have indigestion. So let's take some Tums and, uh, and see if that helps. I don't know why I would think this because it's not like I was eating any food at that time. So, uh, but I take the Tums and they don't work. And then, uh, and then I get more and more uncomfortable. I try to go back to sleep, but I wake up in more pain. So I wake up at like, let's say quarter after 12 with these symptoms. And then I try to do all these things. They don't work. And I go back to sleep thinking, just sleep it off. And then at, at about two in the morning to two thirty, in the, in between the, that time, I, uh, I couldn't take it anymore. I was in so much pain and I knew that it was a bigger problem than I was, um, you know, th- you know, I, I just knew it was a big problem. And worse off is that I went to the bathroom and I saw my, my face and I could see that my skin color, <clears throat> I was gray. I was pretty much like, you know, translucent, like you could see right through me. And that was the big indicator for me because that had happened the first time. And they said like, you're, you're gray, you have no blood pressure, you need to call the ambulance. And I said, okay, I don't know why I didn't do this before. I'm doing it now. And I also remember that they told me to take baby aspirin to chew baby aspirin right? So you have to take two baby aspirins, put them in your mouth and chew, and it tastes awful. Um, but there's no point in swallowing them because it it's not going to help. You need to chew it and then swallow the chewed pill. And fortunately for me, my husband takes baby aspirin every single day for his um, cholesterol or whatever it is he takes it for. So we always have baby aspirin in the house. I knew this time where to go to get it. So I went and, and you know, chewed these pills. And then I called 911. And I was like, I'm having these problems. I had them last year, they told me to call the ambulance. Um, And then, you know, I've chewed baby aspirin, I've even swallowed baby aspirin, because I thought, you know, just in case the chewing ones don't work, maybe and then that's when they said no, that you can swallow as many pills as you want, it's not going to help you, you have to chew them. And you've already done that. So now you just wait for the ambulance. And I remember telling like, you know, my face is gray. And the paramedics show up. And I'm going to pause here to like, talk about how much I love paramedics. They are incredible. They're there and they have a, a, what do you call that bedside manner? They have that in spades where sometimes the emergency room doctors, they don't have that. And I'll talk about that when I get there. But, um, but yeah, the paramedics are just amazing. And, um, and, you know, shout out to them. And every time I meet a paramedic, whether it's, you know, they've helped me or not, I just talk about how much I love them. And I love what they do. So shout out paramedics, you're awesome. Um, so anyway, so the paramedics show up and apparently, um, the, a police officer showed up and, a fire truck and fighters showed up as well. I don't remember this because, um, at that point I was just like out of it. I, I was so gray and so low blood pressure. I couldn't even open my eyes. I was sitting on the stairs and I, and I just knew I was like waiting for help. And my husband was beside me. And he was t- communicating with the people that had come to help me. Um, I was able to walk myself out to the gurney. And so I didn't, we didn't need the firefighters. I think the police 
the policeman was talking uh, to to my husband, and I I don't I don't remember that, but I remember looking up and seeing his face and going, oh, you know, it looks like this guy I know named Mike, the guy that worked on our stairs. And then and then the next day when I was talking to my husband, I was like, wasn't there a Mike? Like, didn't did Mike come? And he's like, no, that was the policeman. He looked kind of like Mike. So um, I thought that was funny that I didn't remember a police officer being there, but I remember seeing Mike, the guy that did my stairs. Um, so. Anyways, uh, paramedics gave me crap, crap for waiting two hours before calling them because apparently I made their job more difficult (laughs) and I put myself in a worse condition. So they said, you know, should this happen again, when you feel it, you call, you don't wait. And it's so hard for me to, I mean, I can say, yeah, you're right. Okay. I will call. I'm sorry. But it's, you know, it's hard to go do I need an ambulance right now? Am I going to call 911? Because they send all three of those services, police, fire, truck, and ambulance out when you call 911. Um, is it, I don't want to waste their time. Like what, what if it is heartburn? Then I can just take Tums and be relieved, right? Like this is what I'm thinking. What if it is asthma? I know I can take my inhaler and feel fine. So how do I know that it's, an emergency that I actually need to call these people. And I had a conversation with my mom about it. And my mom said, you call. So now I'm passing this advice from mom to you. You call 911. And when they get to you and you start having a conversation with them and you feel okay, you can send them away. You don't need to get in the ambulance. But it is much better to have those people in your house and taking care of you if you need it than to need it and not have them there. So if you're in a situation where you think just think that you might need help, you call. There is my advice. There's my mom's advice. Just take it. It's smart. So that happened. And then I was, uh, I was ambulanced to the hospital. They, um, they were, the paramedics were really good. They, whatever it was that they tried on me in, um, in, and because, you know, my, my, um, my, my blood pressure was so low, it, it makes them, it makes it difficult to find uh, veins, uh, you know, wherever they put in the IV, it, it makes it difficult for them to find it. And I, I have, uh, you know, a hard time. They, they have a hard time, I should say, finding that anyways. And then when my blood pressure is low, it just makes it almost impossible. So I get like poked a lot while they're looking for these things. I don't care. Like I don't, I'm not, uh, I have a high pain tolerance. Like it doesn't, it doesn't affect me if they need to poke me in various places as long as they find what they're looking for. So that part is fine. But, and then they tried some medicine on me. I wish I knew, but I was, like I said, I was out of it, but they, they were laughing. And I remember seeing the look on the two paramedics faces before we even left my driveway while we were in the ambulance, they had tried something and then were checking my heart rate and whatever it was that they tried on me, um, it, it started to work and my, my heart rate started to go up and my blood pressure started to increase again. And so I was no longer in that scary zone. It, I still, I'm still out of it, but, but from their perspective and from a health perspective, I guess I had, you know, I had shown signs of improvement and they were laughing because I think it's their job to try this method first, but apparently it's never worked before. So every single person that they have tried it on, it doesn't work. And then they go to step two, whatever their step two method is. First step is easier, doesn't work. Try the second step. But for me, the first step works. So they were like so impressed with that, that they told me, they're like, I just want you to know that I've been in this business for X amount of years and I've done this X amount of times. It has never worked, but for you, it worked. So he's going to remember me and I'm certainly going to remember him. And I think that's amazing. Um, 
So it worked and I started to feel better. I started to feel cold. So it was like all the blood was there, but, um, but I was just not circulating it properly. And I remember feeling like I was in hypothermic shock to the point where I had like, I think six different blankets put on me. Now I'm in the hospital. They're adding more blankets to me. They gave me heated blankets. They gave me a heat pack for me to hold on to. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was like they were treating me for hypothermia at that point, but eventually that went away also. And I, another thing that I remember about being in the hospital was when they said, uh, how do you feel? And I said, I feel really cold. And so they gave me more and they said, okay, but are you in pain? Nope. I'm just cold. (laughs) And they said, that's good. Like we can deal with cold. And I said, I can deal with cold too. And it was like, I was smiling. Sure. I might be in hypothermic shock, but I'm smiling. And so that, um, you know, it was good. And then, uh, and then I was, um, I don't know how long I was in the hospital. I was released the next day. It was not, it was less than 24 hours that I was in the hospital at that point. I was not even transferred to a room. I just stayed in like the emergency um, section until my mom came to pick me up. And then I was off and uh, recuperating for, um, for three days. I wasn't, I mean like for more than three days, I think it was probably like closer to 10 days where before I felt back to normal and even to this day, I, ha- I haven't done any exercise because I'm a little afraid of what might happen to my heart. So I've just been taking it easy. I started walking again, but not running. And um, and and I'm taking it slow. I feel okay. I feel like everything's okay. I'm just trying to be cautious. And um, and yeah, and there's st- they still don't know uh, exactly what's what is wrong with my heart, but I do. I have gone uh, two more times back to the hospital without scares, just for them to do tests and uh, CT scans and whatever else. So, so they're they're continuing to check. I have another appointment next week to talk to the doctor about what's happened. So it's it. They're constantly looking at it. They're not going to let it go. I do hope that I am given some sort of proactive measure, whether it's, uh, you know, um, include this in your diet or uh, medicine, like, you know, if it's medicine, whatever it is, I hope they give me some sort of proactive attempts because waiting to handle this as a reactive measure is literally killing me. Like it hurts it, it that the pain that I have to go through, it hurts. And sure, it's like once every 10 months but I would rather it not happen at all. So that has, that was what I went through after my eight week challenge and why it's been a little bit more difficult to get back into the swing of things. And then of course, after my heart feels okay, and I'm sort of getting back into the rhythm of things, I then get a cold from my daughter and I don't mind because you know, when the kids give you colds, you just take it and it's better you than them. So it's fine, but it, it was just the, yep, here I am sick again. So that's, that's how it's been. And one of the, another one of the things that my mom said in her, with her words of wisdom was it, you know, it's pretty funny that coincidentally, as soon as I stop my eight week challenge and I say, I'm going to have like an unhealthy meal, or I don't care if I cheat and have a chocolate bar. I mean, you know, and I, w- I was still good about it, but I just didn't care about those like little cheats as reward system. So having a chocolate was fine, um, you know, and I, I didn't do it every day and it, it was okay. My mom said, the minute you started putting crap in your body, crap happens. Now I'm going to say my mom said it with swears. I'm not going to swear, but yeah, you put crap in, crap happens. And I think that that's brilliant. And if I had have said, if I had have instead of said, hey, this is going to be an eight week challenge. And at the end of eight weeks, I'm going to do whatever I want. If I should have said, I'm going to start with eight weeks, not take a cheat day, 
then do another eight weeks. And hey, guess what? I just created a lifestyle change and not just a, a silly little challenge for myself. Maybe I wouldn't have ended up in the hospital with what felt like a heart attack. Maybe not. Maybe I have this heart condition that I can't get rid of anyways. Um, but I just, you know, the timing is everything. I ate a really bad meal. Where? I shouldn't say that. But anyways, it felt like I, I took some cheats and I ate some bad stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm back in the hospital with heart problems. So it's just a coincidence or maybe it's not. But I'm going to heed once more my mother's brilliant advice. Don't put crap in the body. <laughs> um, so there's that. And the other thing, and I will I will wrap this up um, shortly, but I will say that since I haven't been able to exercise, but I still am able to watch what I eat. I have not put any more pounds back on. Now, when I, when I eat poorly, you know, if I have a bad meal, I might notice a difference on the scale by like a pound or two. But I don't eat poorly every day. I don't make poor choices every meal. I have a, a little cheat here and there. And then I really watch my, my intake of food. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> that is my asthma catching up. So I, I watch what I eat and I'm very good about um, moderation and I'm very aware of everything that I put inside of me. So even though I haven't been able to do my cardio exercise, <coughs> excuse me again, I should have a cup of water here. Um, so yeah, even though I am able, not able to do my cardio exercise, but I am able to go for walks. I've managed to to uh, to keep the weight off and to maintain. And I, I haven't been able to lose anymore, but I have been able to maintain the weight that I achieved. And I'm really proud of that. And I think that's important to know, like for those people that really don't want to exercise. It turns out you don't really need to. And I will talk about that in the in a future post as well. You don't need to exercise. You do need to move. But walking is OK. So, um, so yeah, like I, I don't, as much as I loved that cardio workout and I will like, if anyone wants to know that cardio workout, I will for sure give it. And I will talk about, you know, that in great, te great detail if anyone wants to know, but, um, but it's not, you, you don't need it. The, the, you really need to, the food, the, the, <laughs> all the food that you put in your body, that is important. And, um, and I, and walk a little bit, move a little bit. Don't just stay still. But you don't need to do any sort of lifting weights. You don't need to do a core cardio workout. You can maintain a, a healthy weight um, just by by eating the right foods. So that's how I'm going to wrap this one up. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Mental Health and Me. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. And if you feel it can help someone, please share with them. We don't have to struggle alone. Break the stigma surrounding mental health. Let's talk about it.